0: why we're doing this again so that people that are joining us oh, well welcome to Wednesday night service um we had some electrical things going on in the church that we were uh rebuilding the electrical panel and so we didn't have any electricity We did not have a power board or anything like that. um and so we're going live from my house yay our house um, our house sorry we got it we did get it fixed so we'll be back we'll be back Sunday so it's it's fine but we're just kind of like, make do tonight. This is what we're doing. So, um, we didn't have the technology from here to go Facebook Live as well. So, it's YouTube. So, hopefully, um, you guys can share it and um, be involved and you're able to uh, tune it in wherever you're at. I'm going to go ahead and get started. So, if you would just join me in a word of prayer, Father, I just thank you for tonight, God, and I thank you. Lord, that um, we have the technology to do this. Lord, we have the opportunity to do this. Father, I pray that you are in each of our homes. I pray for everyone's heart tonight that's hearing this, Father God, that you would speak to us tonight, Lord, by your word, by your Holy Spirit, Father God. Keep us connected. Keep us united by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father God. Let us have one mind and one accord, Father. Let us receive the word that you have for us tonight, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, so guys, we are finishing up the book of Colossians. Yes, so um, I was given this incredible task to read the last part of Colossians here. And it took me a couple weeks to uh, get a message out of this, but God gave me something. We're going to read this, if you would, Colossians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. It says, Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, in Memphis, and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Paul finishes up his letter here. Now, what stuck out to me is that there's a name here, and it's only mentioned one other place. And he says, say to Archippus, okay? And so the church is here, is entrusted with the duty of exhorting one of its ministers. This Archippus is mentioned in another book of the Bible, in Paul's letter to Philemon, where he calls him our fellow soldier. So, Archippus, Paul's fellow soldier and laborer in the faith, and so according to church tradition and the apostolic constitution, Archippus was the first bishop or overseer of the church in Laodicea. Okay, Paul exhorting is exhorting the church then to give him a message through the Colossian church, right? And so this was not an uncommon thing for Paul to write a letter to a church and say, hey, give it to this other church. I need you to um, share with them this message, right? So it became these circular letters. And Laodicea was about 12 miles away from Colossus. And so he says to Archpus, he says, take heed to the ministry. Now, this word ministry is the Greek word, and it means a laborious and painful work. Interesting, right? So it's an obligation to do and suffer all things. And he says, in the Lord. So Archippus has been anointed, right, and appointed by the Lord and called by the Holy Spirit for this work that he's been given. He's been gifted with these gifts to do it, that you may fulfill it. So he says to Archippus, faithfully discharge all the duties of your calling with diligence, and care, because there's consequences for neglecting your duty. They're infinitely dangerous and fatal. So there's little else known about Archippus and his ministry. So what I get from this, because I did a, a, a ton of study on this, okay, and Paul's meaning here is not really clear what he's saying to the apostle. What, he's, or what the apostle is saying to Archippus, what they want, the message that he's relaying to them. Um, it's understood that they would have known what Paul meant, but we don't know necessarily what Paul meant. So there's four scenarios here, okay? So Archippus knew his ministry, he was faithful, and he, didn't, he needed encouragement to keep going. That's scenario one. Scenario number two is Archippus knew his ministry, he was faithful once, but had slackened and stopped. Scenario number three, Archippus knew his ministry, but was doing nothing about it. Scenario number four, Archippus did not know his ministry and had to be prompted by Paul. So we all fall into one of these scenarios. The question is, which scenario applies to you? The times are urgent and there's work to be done for the Lord. We have all received an assignment from the Lord, but will we, will you be faithful to complete it? In Proverbs 26, it says, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? And 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So he said, if we're going to be a steward of the Lord, we must be found. That means he must return to find us being faithful to do the work he's called us to do. And we want to be found faithful. Well, hopefully you do. I want to be found faithful. Please tell me you want to be found faithful. So I am coming from the position, number one, that Paul is encouraging Archbishop To be diligent in his work, to continue in his calling. Okay? I'm coming from this scenario, and there's four characteristics of this Archippus man that's faithful. He's almost anonymous. Hmm. The beautiful thing about Archippus is that he's only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. Once in Philemon and once here at the end of a close of a letter. He's almost anonymous yet mentioned by name mm. folks. This is the season for nameless saints to rise up and take up our position in the kingdom. There's a quote. My husband's quoted it several times and it's quoted. It says, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to be forgotten for the cause of Christ? We are called to be stewards. We are called to be faithful ambassadors. And a faithful ambassador does not care who gets the credit and honor. Because an ambassador knows that he is working on behalf of another. Yes, That is Jesus Christ. If it's about you, then it must be for you. That's good. But if it's for Jesus, then it's about Jesus. And folks, we are called... To walk in humility. In Philippians 2-3, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. See, human nature tells us to use the cover of anonymity to avoid taking the blame for the bad we do. But he wants us to use anonymity to avoid taking credit for the good we do, that's good. We are not called, We are not to call attention to ourselves. In Matthew six three through four, it says, "But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your hand, let your right hand, right let 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 your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Sorry about that. Your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, this does not mean that our good deeds." Will remain hidden. It just simply means that they should be done in such a way that makes a good name for the Lord and not for ourselves. First Peter 2:12 says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Yeah. So our good works are to glorify the Lord, and when others see our good works, It is that they would glorify God, not glorify us. We must remain anonymous. The second thing is aware and alert, but not apathetic. The faithful archbishop understands the urgency of the times we live in. He is aware of the bigger picture and the happenings in and around the body of Christ and the world. He will not remain apathetic. He will not remain distanced or self-absorbed. It is this awareness that it compels him to act with certainty, fully convinced his assignment will contribute to the greater agenda of the kingdom of God. And are you aware of the times? Because if you're not, you've been living, you've been putting your head in the sand. You've been burying your head in the sand. Or are you apathetic? Are you an apathetic archivist, burying your head in the sand, slacking the work God has called you to? Folks, because once faithful does not cut it. That's right. The Bible says you must be faithful to the end. Me and uh, Pastor Shelley, we always say this to each other all the time. You better end well. Right? You better end well. When I see older saints in the faith that start acting foolish... And I was like, you're too old to be acting this way. You better end well. Yeah. Right. Because it's not how you start, it's how we finish, right? No. It doesn't matter what we used to do. What are you doing now? We cannot rest on our laurels. And I met way too many Christians that used to be in the ministry. I, I used mm-hmm. to do that for the Lord. I used to be a missionary. I used to do this. I was in a waiting room one time, and I overheard a conversation next to me. No, I was not eavesdropping, but they were talking loud enough that I could hear everything that was going on. (laughs) I was in a doctor's office, and this lady was uh, uh, in the children's ministry, and she was she was the pastor of the children's ministry. I don't know that she said pastor, but she was the leader in this children's ministry. And she'd been doing it for, I think she said 10 or 11 years. It was right around that mark. I want to say, if I uh, remember correctly. And she simply just said, you know, I'm just tired of doing this. I'm tired of serving and I'm just stepping down. Nobody else wants to do it. I'm not going to do it anymore. She was done. And, And I could hear in her voice that she was very bitter, she was very angry. And I thought, Wow, what would the Lord say to me if that was my story? What would the Lord say to me in that day if I said, Lord, you know what, I did it for 17 years, and I was done. No one cared, no one listened to me. You know, I just served people, I preached the word, and nobody cared what I did. So you know what, I just stepped up, and I was done. Try that one off for size. Romans 13, 11 through 14, it says, And do this, and do this, knowing the time. That now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness, Not in lewdness and lust. And not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill its lusts. We must Remain aware, and this is having a knowledge or perception of a situation, an awareness. We we must be aware of the times, aware of what's going on around us. We we have we have perceived it. We have knowledge of our situation, and therefore we must stay alert. And this is that state of being watchful for possible danger. So not just aware, but what we must be alert. Okay. We are to stay alert, to watch and pray, fulfill the assignment that the Lord has given us. And our work for him is not over until he comes to get me or I die. Yes. That's it. That's, that's it. That's my way out of my work for the Lord. The third thing is assignment, not activity. It's totally pointless to be busy with the ten things, but miss the one thing that God has called you to do. Yes. An archivist knows how to distinguish between activity and assignment, understanding that busyness does not lead to fruitfulness. And, and every single one of you have an assignment from the Lord. Every single one of you have unique gifts and talents that have been given you by the Holy Spirit, and you've been equipped for that work. But are you doing it? Are you doing the work that God has given you to do? Or do everything else in hopes that he will be okay with your activity? And kids are great at this, right? Kids are great at this, of of doing everything else, but the one thing you told them to do. You know, and and, and I've shared this before. We used to have a dog named Ranger. and he's, He's up here on my mantle line, in fact. I don't know if you can see him, but he's up there. Ranger, good old Ranger, and you know he was a big dog, so he had some pretty big things in the backyard that he left back there. And I remember this one time um, we, we it had kind of piled up in our backyard, okay. And um, some of y'all have heard this story before, but I asked the kids, story. yeah, I asked one of the kids, I can't remember if it was Gabe or Faith, I asked one of those kids to please pick up the poop. <laughs> I was like, please pick up the poop. I need you to do this. I'm going to be gone for a while. I need you to pick up the poop in the backyard. So I came home, and literally, my kids had done the dishes. They took out the garbage. They cleaned their room. And I'm, and they were super excited. Mom, look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. I did this. I did this. And I was so mad. <laughs> and I was so frustrated because they didn't do what I asked them to do. They didn't do the one thing I asked them to do, okay? Yeah. Right, and, and I think about this in my own life. And, and I am great at doing this with the Lord where I say, Lord, mm-hmm. look at everything else I did. And he will say, well, that's great, Crystal, that's good. But that's not what I asked you to do. Yeah. That's not what I needed you to do. That's not what I asked you to do. And, and typically it's usually because it's really something that I just desperately do not want to do. <laughs> Right? One, one, of, one of the jobs of the pastor sometimes is to confront a divisive person. I hate confrontation. I hate doing that. I don't like it one bit. Yeah. But the Lord has required that from the pastor. Church discipline is the pastor's job. Right? And if I neglect that one thing that he asked me to do, man, it creates a world of problems. That's why the Lord will ask you those specific things because that one specific thing, if not dealt with, has a has a huge, huge, huge ramifications. Yeah. Busyness does not mean you're being effective. Yeah. Do you know your ministry, and are you not doing anything about it? Because we will have to answer to the Lord for that. I'm going to read Matthew 25, 24 through 30, and this is the, t- the, the parable, right, of the unbearing of the talents. And at the and, and if you know this parable right, the Lord gave um, one man, see, I didn't write the whole thing down. It's like five and four, and then the one guy gets one poor guy, you know, but he's, he's still got one talent, right? <laughs> and so Laura comes back and the first guy, he doubled his, the second guy, he doubled his, the third guy. So he comes to him and he come, and then he would receive the one talent came to the Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered, and I was afraid, and went and I hid your towel on the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. So he didn't do what was asked of him. He he buried it. And the Lord answered and said, You wicked and lazy servant. Notice these hard words of Christ. These are the hard words of Christ. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I have I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a very hard word here. It's a very hard word, but listen to the words of Christ. In James 2, 24, it says, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And and yes, we, we uh, we are saved by grace through our faith, but without a work, it says our faith is dead. Your faith is dead. So you can't say, well, I used to do this. Your faith died. You can't say, I've never done this. You've had no faith. Works in this scripture, then, these are the obligations to God and fellow humans that are commanded in scripture and that proceed from a sincere faith, a pure heart, the grace of God, and the desire to please him. The essential nature of saving faith will express itself in our work for him. We don't work... We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. We work because we love him. We work because we make it our aim to please him, to be pleasing in his sight, and to be faithful to him. Are you in a scenario that Paul has to rebuke you for not being diligent in your calling? We don't get a time out, folks, because the days are hard. What work do you know that you've been called to do and you are not doing it? The next one is anything but aimless. Archippus' aim is to be faithful to fulfill his assignment that he may be found pleasing to his Lord and Master. Second Corinthians five nine through eleven it says therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent to be well pleasing to him this is our aim in life is to be pleasing to the lord and and paul goes on here to the corinthians he says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done whether good or bad knowing therefore the terror of the lord these are some hard words here folks yeah we persuade men So he says, knowing the terror of the Lord, I am persuading you to make it your aim to be well-pleasing to him. What is the aim of your life? What is the aim of your life? And and aim means is to direct a course specifically. Okay? So when when you think about an aim, right? You are directing a specific course, not just a specific course, but you are directing a course specifically. Okay. We are to make pleasing him alone our aim. So we think about charting a course for a boat. It was interesting. I went about like, how do you chart a course for a boat, right? A course for a boat, because you know, the, 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 um, ocean is vast. And we don't have road systems in the ocean like we do. They have, they have, um, they, because it's been charted so much, there's charts, but you, so you, you, you know, you get your azimuth and you put it where you are and then you, you put it where you want to go and you chart a course there, right? Because here's the thing, folks, you can't wander aimlessly on the ocean. You can't, you can't just wander aimlessly on those. You're going to get tossed to and fro. You're probably going to get hit on rocks and shallow, shallow waters. And you have to chart a course and you stick to your chart. So I I looked at this, and this was tips for navigating a nautical chart. And I thought this was really interesting. The first tip is to be sure to plot the course at adequate water depth. So we make it our aim to be well pleasing to the Lord. Our aim must be total trust and reliance on the Lord. He wants us in the deep waters. Mm, That's good. Because shallow waters produce shallow servants. And the shallow servant said, I will only go so far. Mm. The second tip is plot the course using buoys, lights, and other aids to navigation that show safe navigation areas. So we have to have tools that enable us to be well pleasing. We have the Word of God. We have the power of prayer. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have the fellowship of the brethren. And this scripture has been so heavy on my heart during this season. And, you know, I, I know a lot of pastors use this use this to, you know, um, you guys know what it is. Hebrews 10, I'm going to read 24 through 26. It's, Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. And, you know, um, oftentimes people say, well, stop using that scripture, blah, 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 blah. Folks, this scripture is more important now than ever before. Amen. And verse 24 says, let us consider one another. So he says... Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So the writer of Hebrews says, the manner of some people is to forsake the gathering. He said, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins so he's saying here as the days approaching we should even be more diligent to, to gather with people Amen. this is part of the way we navigate through those waters and these verses here are connected okay and, and how are these connected what's interesting when you look at some um, some, some the scripture in some Bibles. It takes um, uh, verse 24, right, 25, where it says, um, exhorting one another, even so much more, you see the day approaching, and it splits it up, verse 25 to 26, for if we sin will- willfully. But this is not the case, okay? These are connected, that verse 25 is directly connected to verse 26. So there is two intentions that the author means here, okay? So the author intends that it is either willful sinning to forsake the gathering or that forsaking the gathering leads to willful sinning. Both, bad. Both of those are bad. Yeah. Okay. These you, you cannot separate these two scriptures, these two verses right here. It's all under the same letter in the same context. So these two things, you are either... Willfully sinning when you neglect the gathering, or when you neglect the gathering, it leads to willful sinning. Mm. An argument can be made for both in the Greek. And the last part of tips for navigating is always deviate from your plotted course to avoid unsafe conditions or collision. So... Stay away from anything and everything that has an opportunity to get us off our assignment. Yeah, that's good. This could be uh, friends or relationships that are unhealthy. You know, and as I was writing this and praying over this, I have seen more people fall away from the Lord because of ungodly relationships. That's good. I've seen um, people marry someone that was not a Christian. Oh, God told me to. God did not tell you to. Nope. <laughs> God did not tell you to. I've seen people getting to uh, boyfriend-girlfriend relationships or just unhealthy friendships. Okay, I have seen more people fall away from God, from bad company. And do not think that you can stand firm if you disobey God's word. It's it is impossible. And so when we read things like, Uh, Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. When we read, do not keep company with these people. When we read, um, separate yourself from these kind of people. Do not think that you can stand firm and disobey God's word in these areas. And this season specifically, folks, the Lord has shown me that the enemy is using bitterness and offenses to separate and divide God's people. And we need to guard our heart now more than ever. Guard your heart. If someone says something to you, folks, an offense is going to get you off that plotted course. You, You cannot allow that in your life. You cannot have anything to do with it. Walk in forgiveness towards others. Walk in the forgiveness that God has given you Walk in love towards others. Walk in peace towards others. Walk in unity towards others. And if they refuse the things of God, then have nothing to do with them. You can love people from a distance. Okay? That's for some of you here. (laughs) And lastly, folks, Archippus needs to be encouraged. That was the whole point of this, is to encourage him either because he he was weary and he needed to be encouraged um, encouraged to keep going or he was he had given up he needed to be encouraged to get going if he was apathetic he still needed courage to get back in there He need to be encouraged okay folks most of us doing the work of the ministry need to be encouraged to keep going amen first Thessalonians five eleven it says therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing and Paul says to remember his chains because Paul's joy was to see the churches operating in peace, love, and unity. That was Paul's joy. Paul didn't care about his own chains. He was saying, remember my chains and the way you guys treat each other and how you guys act to each other. And if you guys are diligent in your walk, because that's what brings me joy, is to see the church doing her job. Amen. Yes. Folks, and I will tell you, your pastor needs to be encouraged. Amen. We get weary, we need our hands lifted up, we need you to hold up our arms. And let me tell you, one one of the best ways to encourage your pastor is to show up to church and love on other people. Because yes. yes. when you don't do your part, someone else has to fill in that gaping hole. Yep. And guess what? It's usually us. Yep. Encourage your pastor by stop fighting yes. and serve each other. Yes encourage your pastor by not tearing down but building up that's how Amen. you encourage those in the ministry. Amen. Romans 14:9 says, "Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another." In 1 Corinthians 15:58, "Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is Is not in vain in the Lord. If it's to the Lord and it's for the Lord, it it will abound. He says, Be diligent in that, be steadfast in that, be immovable in that. Which archivist are you? I'm going to go back to these scenarios. I'll read them for you one more time and think on it. Do you know your ministry and are you faithful? but you just need to be encouraged to keep keep going. Do you know your ministry, and you were once faithful, but you've slackened and stopped? Do you know your ministry, but you're doing nothing about it? Do you not know your ministry, and you have to be prompted? Which scenario are you? And if you don't know, ask someone else. They might be able to look at you and tell you. But definitely ask the Lord, pray and ask God, where are you at? Where are you at in all of this? What he needs you to do, what he's asking you to do, just because you used to do something doesn't mean that you've been faithful in it. You need to still be faithful in it. Amen. Amen. I want to give everybody an opportunity tonight to, um, respond to this message. If, um. If you need prayer for something, uh, we have a new Facebook page. Um, you can go on there and um, ask for prayer for our, from our Monday 19. Pastor Moogie is leading that up, and uh, we would love to pray over you and pray for, pray for anything that you need from us. So um, please look at that. I think you can find it on Facebook and on our church website. Um, be sure to send those prayer requests. If, if any of this fits you tonight and you need to be prompted or you don't know. You know what, you can call me, text me, let me know, let Pastor Matt know, say, what can I do? How how can I help? Where am I supposed to be doing this? Um, Let me get back to my job for the Lord. What am I supposed to be doing? Okay, we will help you find a place. We will help you in your ministry. We'll want to help you in your ministry. And if you're watching tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the perfect time. The Holy Spirit is here. He is here. He's been speaking to you. He's been ministering to you through this whole whole thing. And I pray tonight that you would drop on your knees and you just repent of your ways and turn towards him with all your heart. And that's what salvation is. It's just turn away from your past. Say, I don't want anything to do with that man I was. I want to be a new creation in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, um, come fill me. Lord, forgive me my sins and let me be a new creation. And if you've been far away from the Lord... If you're a prodigal, come running back tonight. He is waiting for you with open arms. He wants you. All, all, all you have to do is, as the Bible says, the prodigal, he came to his senses. Come to your senses. Say, I cannot do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. I knew what it was like in my father's house, and I want to run back to him. There's no guilt. There's no shame. Just come running back, and he's waiting for you with open arms. Take a minute, speak those prayers to the Lord, whatever you need. I'm going to end in prayer, and hopefully we'll see you on Sunday. Father God, we just thank you for this word tonight. I thank you for this message, Holy Spirit. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord, by your Spirit, Father. I pray for everybody here tonight, Lord, everybody that's watching tonight, Father God, that you would speak to them directly, Lord, just about things that maybe need to change things they're doing well, if they need to be encouraged, Father, Holy Spirit, encourage them, send people to encourage them in the name of the Lord. Let us be diligent to fulfill the calling on our lives, God. Let us be diligent to do the assignment that you have called us to, Father, in the mighty, magnificent, and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We just give you praises, glory, and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Sunday morning parking lot service, 9 a.m., 11 o'clock will be online be there all right now let me figure out how to stop it